Hello, and welcome to Your Investment Partners with Paul and Garrett, where we talk about all things financial, focusing on helping you plan, keep, and grow for a successful future. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. And if you're tuning in again, welcome back and thank you for listening. Hello, and welcome to Your Investment Partners with Paul and Garrett. Today, we're going to talk about financial planning topics and questions that come up most often in your 20s and 30s. We cover areas such as budgeting and how to pay yourself first, considerations when taking a new job, and some ideas about if you should contribute to a Roth or a traditional retirement account. My name is Garrett Smith, and we look forward to having you with us today. Welcome back. Here we go. Episode seven. You ready for another one of these, Paul? Oh, you bet. This will. This is an interesting one, thinking of what you'd tell a, you know, yourself when you were just getting started, 20 yeah. years old. Kind of wanted to cover the common financial questions we get from people in their 20s and 30s. Um, just those basic foundational tools, main ideas that if you get right early, it seems to make everything else in the future at least a little bit easier. Yeah. Well, okay. Look in the rearview mirror. A way long time ago, 20-year-old Paul. (laughs) (laughs) That that is a long time ago. (laughs) What would you tell 20-year-old Paul? Well, 20-year-old Paul, um, you know, I think, I think when you talk about finances that early on, it's just establishing some, you know, good habits. And so let's just let's just think of somebody just, you know, getting their first real job. You know what? You know what? What really should they be looking at? Because, you know, I mean, you come from being a teenager, you're living off of your folks, you're you know, you're you have a place to live, you have food, you have a little spending money, you had a job. You know, we all work when we're kids and, and, you know, you have a little money, but okay, now you're out on your own and and you have a real job. So, you know, what do you do? And it's easy to blow it because you, you've had more money than you've ever had, but you also have, but you also have expenses, you know? And so I I think the first thing that, that people need to really take a look at is just, you know, figure out how to budget and budget's kind of a dirty word, but um, budgeting is a, just a, a very powerful tool. That's what I would tell myself first is learn to budget. And I did learn to budget early on. And um, we didn't have, you know, a lot of technology back then when Pam and I first got married, but we read a book and I can't remember the, oh, it was called, it was called uh, Rich on Any Income. <laughs> and it was a budgeting book and they used the envelope system. Well, now you use the envelope system on your phone. And, you know, it's still a popular way to do it, but we literally had envelopes. Put cash in an put, envelope. Put put cash in the envelope. And when the envelope ran out, the theory was you just, you know, <laughs> you just quit spending out of that envelope until you filled it up when you got your paycheck again. Yeah. And I, I think one thing to highlight around budgeting is is there's there's kind of tracking the expenses, but then there's also the future planning side of it too. And it seems to be the successful the more successful I've been in my personal life was when when we were planning ahead instead of just saying, well, where did our money go? Well, if you're if you're just looking at where your money went, that's just a diary. Yeah, you're, you're not in control of that's, that. That's not a budget. That's a diary. <laughs> yeah. And but I think there's a lot of apps and financial trackers that are looking in the rearview mirror. And a lot of people start with those. I've, I've had a lot of friends that that's what they started with. And it doesn't really get you moving forward because it's just saying, Oh, by the way, you spent more money than you should have in these categories. Right. And, and so I like the idea of saying we have this much coming in and budgeting for the next month or the, you know, the future months to say we're, we're planning our future income. And so you spend it once in planning and then you spend it again as you go through the month. Right. 
And you do that now, right? Oh, yeah, still do that. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know if I could ever get away from it just for my own personality's sake. Mm-hmm. Well, I've kind of gotten away from it. I mean, well, Pam's kind of gotten away from it, so <laughs> I'm sure you have to. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I guess the point is, is if you if you do that early on, then later on you don't have to worry as much about it. Well, we've just built such a buffer at this point, yeah. That you know, between emergency funds and pre-plan, you know, all our vacations and cars are all. Pre-planned for. You pre-planned, know, we've been, we've prepaid been, for. Yeah, and then you can just go and relax. Right. Because you're not on the credit card going, well, this is really fun, but God, how am I going to pay this thing off when I get home? Exactly. Well, when we ran into, you know, a few weeks ago, we had the car accident. There's deductibles and everything that's got to be ready for. And, you know, it's just we already had that money set aside because we've been budgeting for so long. Right. And I also think a budget allows you, if you're, if you're married, to kind of get on the same page with somebody. Um, I, I think it's easy to... Um, have different priorities, obviously. And when, you know, one's spending in one area, another spending in another area, it's the dollars just don't seem to go as far. But if you can kind of come on agreement and say, these are our priorities, and we want to travel a little bit more as a family versus going out to eat as much, you know, you can make that decision as a, as a trade off. And, and that, you know, we sit down every month and kind of go through where we're spending and, and it, it, it helps. It's just made things a lot easier for the two of us too. So not only does it keep you from spending too much money, but I really think it helps in a relationship as well. For sure. And I, I remember reading a book uh, early on again, and um, there was a phrase in there that caught my attention that applies to budgeting that is a very powerful savings tool. And the phrase was 10% of all I earn is mine to keep. And and what that means is that you, you don't get, it's not yours to keep to buy a car with. It's not yours to keep to to you know, spend somewhere else to buy a house with it. It's yours to keep, and and the idea there is that you need to take ten percent of your income and just put it away, f- you know, for forty, fifty years. It's it's yours to keep until you need to draw on it down the road. It's not to keep to spend. It's yours to keep, and budgeting will allow you to kind of set those kind of priorities. And so is that kind of leading into saving into uh, like a company sponsored retirement plan or an IRA that that's those dollars that you're referring to, to get, get maybe some tax benefits as well as some future savings. Yeah. Any, any and all sources of savings, anytime you defer current spending for future spending, that's how you build that nest egg. A lot of people think, well, I need, you know, I mean, there's a couple of ways to look at retirement. I'm going to win the lottery. Uh, I'm going to marry rich. I'm going to get a big inheritance. Uh, but for most of us, that just never happens. You know, we have to we have to plan this out. But there is a very methodical way to to grow wealth over time, and that's just to start early and be disciplined and and just don't uh, don't blow the plan up by being stupid. <laughs> yeah, I think you know time is your your biggest benefactor. If you can get a higher savings rate earlier, it's just a bigger buffer in the plan. It allows more flexibility in the future. And a saving high savings rate also is kind of a backup emergency fund plan too. You know, sometimes if you have a high savings rate and problems happen in your life and you can pause for a month or two and use that extra income in the near term and then return it back on, you know, as you kind of get over those humps too. I, I do see high savings rates as a, as you know, a little bit of a buffer in the system as well, because you're not spending every dollar you're earning today. Right. Yeah. You don't go into the car dealer and say, how much can I afford? <laughs> right. You don't go to the mortgage person and say, what's the biggest house I can buy? It's, it, it needs to be all in the confines of what, 
you know, what really makes sense. So, you know, I w was self-employed for, you know, most of my early years. Um, and so when you got your first job, what, you know, what were the issues uh, when you, you know, what was it, Ophir that you? Yeah, I just, there's the the local, uh, you know, uh, calibration company out here that does, they measure lasers. It was a pretty fun little job there. Um, it was kind of my first real, you know, had company benefits, retirement package and, and that whole deal. Up to that point, I'd really just worked for myself mowing lawns and doing things like that. And I was kind of surprised everything that a company offers. I, I wasn't really aware of it at the time, but you, generally speaking, you have a retirement plan. A 401k plan is the most common. And, and what you have in there is if you put in some monies, if you save some dollars, defer a percentage of your paycheck, your company will often match you a percentage. So if you save 5% of your paycheck, oftentimes the company will match 3% of that as well. And and so the sooner you can do that when you have a, you know, quote unquote, a real job, I guess, a paid salary job is it's that's extra dollars you get into your savings because it's basically a 3% pay raise. Now, there's some places that will just pay you you know, north of 14% to match your, uh, to match your, uh, retirement package. And so getting into those earlier is more dollars now versus waiting because you didn't understand what you had. And so mm -hmm. spend some time in those, in those packages that I think that 401k is a critical one. There's other retirement plans out there. 401k is the most common, but getting that company match as soon as you can is, is just a pay raise. Um, and I also think it's, it's, you know, you get into the health insurance world and health insurance is really expensive when you're out on your own. And so utilizing the benefits from an employer is a great way to go. Understanding in and out of network doctors, that took us a while to get used to, um, understanding, you know, deductibles, not only, you know, you have individual deductibles, but as well as family deductibles, they're often different. So even though one person may have met your deductible, you're still paying out of pocket to meet the family deductible for, for another individual. So just understanding how all those work together. So you can start saving that, those dollars planning ahead because, you know, stuff does happen. Yeah. And I think that uh, kind of helps too, just finding out when you're trying to figure out where to work, just look at the benefit package because, um, you know, benefit packages are very, very expensive. You know, as an employer, I know that it costs, you know, it costs a lot of money to have retirement plans, provide health insurance for employees. You know, sometimes there's dental plans and all kinds of things. And those certainly should be taken into consideration in job selection. So. And I think just to touch on one extra point that's become really popular, um, especially in the tech industry, are those that get stock options you know, for ownership into a plan. And those, y you need to take really good consideration um, because when the market only goes up, stock options look awesome. Mm -hmm. But when you get a big sell-off, you know, you may be actually underemployed versus be underpaid versus market norms because if a large percentage is coming from stock options and those options are not worth anything because the company's hasn't performed as expected uh, that can be a detriment too so there's plus and minuses there and, and spending your time if that becomes an option to really understand how those benefits work especially at different prices of of the company valuation yeah I think another thing that we, you know, we often get asked during that time is, is, you know, do you do a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA? There's a lot of options now that's a, you know, a traditional 401k or a Roth 401k. Newer plans have a Roth option in there. Mm -hmm. I, I think kind of highlighting some of those differences uh, about when it's beneficial versus the others is something that 
comes up a lot this time. Yeah, it really does. And it's, you know, when you're in your twenties and thirties, it's, uh, it's a real easy decision. Um, and it's, it's the Roth and the, and the reason you should do Roth early on is, uh, so the, the big difference is, is the deductibility, uh, of the contributions going in and then how the money comes out and the taxation there. So, a Roth 401k, you do not get a tax deduction uh, to put the money in. A, a, just to, a traditional one, you do. You get a you get a tax break to put it in, but you're in your early earning years, so your you know your tax bracket's probably not as high. Uh, but more importantly, is just the time of compounding that occurs if you're in your 20s and 30s. That money's going to compound for you know 30, 40 years, and um, the, the growth is just phenomenal at that point. Um, and then the difference when you pull the money out, the traditional way, you bid, build this big pile of money. So let's say your 401k grows to a million dollars. You're ready to retire. You start pulling money out. Um, in the, 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 the traditional way, all the money that's pulled out of there is taxed 100%. And um, on the Roth 401k option, all that growth. If you had that same million dollars in a Roth 401k, you could pull as much out of there as you want. And there's just no income taxes due on it. So early on, the decision's really easy. Just force feed that that Roth 401k and get all the as many dollars in there as you can. Later on, when you hit 45, 50, you know, then you have to kind of do a little more advanced planning to make that decision. But early on, it's really easy to decide. Yeah. And virtually all cases, starting with the Roth is the best place to go. Yep. Um, I think the only exception might be is if you have a high income for just a few years, you know, you've for two years, you're making a lot of money in your mid 20s because of a business you started or a, you know, a job you happen to take and you just need that reduction in the short term. But generally right. speaking, 99% of the time, getting as many Roth dollars in as soon as you can is, is beneficial because, you know, it allows you, just gives you more flexibility down the road of kind of being a little bit more in control of your tax bracket because you can pull from that bucket whenever taxes are too high in retirement. And uh, the more you have in there, the more flexibility you have. And, and time, time is your biggest friend uh, right now in your 20s and 30s of just trying to get more dollars in there. You know, I, and I think the best way to I've seen to start doing it is, you know, start with whatever number you're com comfortable with, you know, 5% of your salary, 7%. Whatever it takes to get the match. Yeah, right? what, the minimum to get the match for yeah. sure. And then, and then, but if you can do more than that, you know, get up to 10%, um, that's great. And then anytime you get a pay raise to take half the raise home and put half in the 401k, I think is a great option. If you get a 4% raise at the end of the year, put 2% extra into the 401k and take 2% home. Then you're just not used to the extra dollars yet. It's really hard. Myself, seen it for clients, see it time and time again. It's, it's really hard when you get used to money to then go back and save. Right. Yeah, that extra doing it at the time of a raise, you know, before long, you you know, you're at 10, 12 percent. And you just I just don't think a person can fail financially uh, saving, you know, 10 or 12 percent of their income over the course of their working career. It's just they're going to have what they need to retire very, very comfortably if they do that. But yeah, sometimes it's you know, you get 
right off the bat, it's, it's it might be tough to just do 10%, but do what you'd have to do to get the match and then just bump that every time you get a raise this is a great way to do it. Yeah. And, and, uh, the, the sooner you can do it, obviously the better, cause it's just more dollars working for, for a longer period of time. Lastly, I just kind of wanted to touch on is, is oftentimes you're having a lot of job turnover during your 20s and 30s. You may be job hopping, don't quite know where you're at, which is, which is fine. And, and I think it's actually a beneficial thing because we've seen lately that usually those that change jobs do end up earning a little bit more money than just staying with the same employer, especially during these early years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so what's kind of some consideration before you choose to leave a job before you take another one? Um, you know, one thing I was, I was thinking about was just making sure that you had enough cash on hand that if getting that next job doesn't pan out quite as quickly. You know, I've seen some people leave a job because they've been frustrated with it, but they didn't quite get hired on the job that they were expecting to, mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Um, they, and, uh, and that period of time can, can be long, especially you got a young family or, or and, uh, so making sure before you choose to leave a job that you've got a little extra emergency cushion in your, in your, pocket, you know, just in cash and checking your savings account that's ready to go before you choose to leave a job. Yeah. And I've always felt like it's easier to get a job when you have a job, you know, (laughs) that means you're in demand. And I think last consideration is just buying a home. This is, you know, a big one right now. It's on everybody's mind with interest rates moving around Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, nobody has a crystal ball. Um, but what have you kind of seen some successful ways of somebody preparing to buy their first home? Um, especially in, you know, it's a tough market right now. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Cause there's, you know, we, our, our homes are kind of a, um, a source of security, but also a source of pride for us. Right. I mean, we want to live in the right neighborhood and we want to have the right kind of house. And, and it seems like most of us kind of overextend when it comes to you know, buying that first home, we, we want to just get as much as we can. And that's a, that's a, um, you know, you have to be really, really careful there. Cause I don't know what the, the lending ratios are right now, but it used to be, you could, you could have your house payment be like 35 to 40% of your, of your income. And I, I just think that's, you just have to be really careful because it just squeezes out everything else that you can do. And so, uh, you know, especially with interest rates going up, um, I think people just need to be really careful about, you know, not maximizing the amount that they can pay for a home. You know, start off modest and and then go from there. Get in the market somehow, uh, but don't I don't I would just would caution people not get overly ambitious early on because it's you know it, it can it can really sink you for a long period of time if your house payment's too big and you don't you're not able to build up that emergency fund you're not able to properly fund your 401k uh, and that goes really with any debt you just have to be really careful with debt service because it can it can kind of suck all the energy out of your out of your budget in a hurry. Yeah. Consumer debt, home, home debt, you know, home mortgage payments. Um, it's those are the first dollars. You got to mm-hmm. pay those, yep. you know, it, it's tough, but if you can get in your, get in your first home, you don't need to buy the hundred year home right off the bat. Um, yep. you know, we, we've stepped around a few times and it's, it's worked out for us. And, um, it, but being when you, when you can at least be participating in the market, it makes the next step easier. The first one's the toughest one. Yes. First one's by far the toughest one. Yeah. And uh, so if you can 
have enough cash on hand to, to get into a home, um, especially if you're planning on being in an area for a while. You know, yeah. obviously there's renting considerations if if you're moving on. You know, you don't want to take on that kind of obligation. Yeah, for sure. And and then I think that kind of just you know the last idea of you know just avoiding consumer debt during this time of life. It's really easy just to pull out the credit card and buy the new TV. Yep. You know, Super Bowl Sunday's coming up, buy the TV, put just, it on the credit card. Just don't do it. <laughs> just, you know, couches, you know, washing machines, all that kind of stuff. Just don't, just don't borrow on it. It's just, uh, they just don't last long enough that, you know, they just immediately depreciate and you just have to do with less there. Yeah. And, and I, it seems to be, if you start doing that early on, you never really change. You right. never get out of that yeah. habit. If you're used to, you know, buying the washing machine on a credit card, that's just what you're going to do the rest of your life. Right. You know, big habits are really built in your 20s and 30s. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, avoiding consumer debt in any way, shape, or form, uh, it's just just a great benefit. And that's why it comes back to that first principle of just the budget. It just, right. if you just get that right, it just makes everything else so much easier as you go along. Right. Well, I think this has been a good discussion. And, uh, Obviously, everybody's unique situations, their own. And if you have any questions, we're always happy to answer them for you if they want to give us a call. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in and listening to Your Investment Partners with Paul and Garrett. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, visit us at ascendinvestment.com, where you can subscribe to our newsletter to keep you up to date. See you in the next episode. Kessler, Norman & Ride, LLC, DBA, Ascend Investment Partners, is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where our firm and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Ascend Investment Partners unless a client service agreement is in place. The opinions expressed in this podcast are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice, performance data, or recommendations that any particular security portfolio of securities transaction or investment strategy is suitable for any specific person. This program is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. All opinions contained in this podcast are subject to change at any time without notice. To determine which, if any, investments may be appropriate for you, please consult with your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this podcast is not guaranteed of future results. As always, please remember that all investing involves risk and possible loss.